The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Crawl Call. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so why did actress and comedian Suzanne Wong get in trouble for posting photos from her breast cancer surgery on Facebook? Plus, it's the 50th anniversary of everyone's favorite nose-twitching witch, and Adam Michael James is here to talk about the new book that he's released just in time for the occasion. Plus, speaking of witches, the kitchen witch, Lindsay Wells, is here to give us some easy-to-make Halloween treats that will take the trickery out of getting ready for your Halloween parties. That's coming up today on Kroll Call. We are back. It is episode two of Kroll Call. Thank you so much for tuning in to... This is an episode that almost didn't happen. Now, before we get into all of the details of that, let me tell you who I am so you'll understand all of the ramblings of the crazy person that you're about to hear. I'm Dan Kroll. I'm your host. I am the Kroll in the Kroll Call. And as you know, last week was the premiere of Kroll Call. There were some great guests. There were amazing giveaways. There was more than once. If you missed out on that, you'll have to keep listening because there will be more. I guarantee it. And it was really just a wonderful show. So I was enjoying the after show glow, went about my business. I was in my office doing some work at about, I would say, maybe about 10 to midnight. And I hear, didn't know what it was. And I'm looking around and looking around, trying to figure this, didn't hear it again. And then I hear, Drip, drip. And there is only one source of water in my office other than my bottle of Fiji that usually doesn't leave my side. It's my fish tank. So I look over and a large crack has developed in the fish tank. Water is starting to gush out. I don't know what to do. I have, it's a saltwater tank for those of you who are into that sort of thing. And I have coral and, and shrimp and crabs and fish and there are all sorts of things going on. And I had nowhere to put them because the fish tank is about to blow. And I saw Titanic. I know how this thing ends. It doesn't end really well at all. So I had to get a neighbor over here to to hold the fish tank together while I ran out to Walmart and got a smaller fish tank because it's all that they had. It was midnight. It was Friday. It was after midnight, early Saturday morning. And was able to get to New Jersey where the 24-hour Walmart was and come back, transfer everything over. And get the fish into this subsequent small fish tank to at least get them through the night. Everything was fine. Everyone was great. The fish didn't know any better. Woke up the next morning about four or five hours earlier than I normally do to make sure that I go to the fish store to be able to get a replacement tank so that nothing dies. There's, it's a sizable investment, this crazy fish tank. Maybe I'll tweet out a, a picture or two so you can see the whole process. So do that. Uh, get the fish tank, come back, move the fish over, balance the water and the salinity in the water, and everyone is doing fine. Everything is great. My only concern is that I could potentially 
uh, have to worry about getting this fish tank downstairs. So I didn't want the fish tank to fall apart while I was walking down the steps. I put it in a big trash bag, one of those big contractor bags, thought it would be a perfect idea so nothing falls over the place. But as is usually the case, other things got in the way. I got a phone call. I had some work to do. So I left everything where it was, went and did my work, went back to this about two hours later, three hours later, forgot that the fish tank was covered in a trash bag because it was cracked, reached down, and slice a big gash into my thumb. I'm bleeding out. I'm running around. I, good thing I didn't even curse, which is, is great. I didn't scream. I didn't do anything. I just went, ow! Uh, running around, you know, bleeding out, uh, looking for a towel, wrapping up my thumb, up and down, all around the place, thinking, oh my god, this isn't good. Waited. It didn't stop bleeding and couldn't hold it together, so I thought, I need to go to the emergency room. This is the only thing that I can possibly do. Uh, saw the neighbor, ran out to the neighbor, said, would you please... Uh, drive me to the ER. She's like, well, I got to walk the dog first. It'll be about 20 minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm bleeding out. I've got a towel. The white rag is now red. Uh, I thought, you know what? I can't wait for her. I'm just going to go to the ER myself. I drove to the closest emergency room, which is not the one that I would normally go to. Now, pay attention to that because there is, uh, th- this is very important to know this, and you'll hear the story. I get there. I can't even sign the consent form because I can't use my hand. It's my right thumb. And they get me checked in, and I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and I feel that somebody is watching me. And I turn around, and I see that there's a guy, and he's watching. I'm like, I know this person. And then I survey around and look, and there's a young woman with him. I'm like, I know her, too, why are these people here? Who are they? Whatever. And then all of a sudden, it just dawned on me that they are family friends who I haven't seen in years. It's been a while. I go and she comes over. She comes running over. She says, oh, my God, what happened to you? I said, you know, cut my finger, freak fish tank injury. She was in because she's in college and was part of a cheerleading team. They lifted her up. They were supposed to catch her. You can probably figure it out. They didn't catch her, so down she goes. She thwumps on the ground. She's got allegedly, I don't know if this is a, a HIPAA violation, but allegedly she had a, a concussion, and that was the case. So we're sitting and we're talking, and then her mom comes in, and it's chitty, 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 chit. We're just having this great old time catching up in the emergency room. Eventually I got called back. I get pushed out of the way on the way back to my examining room by a patient coming in with a gunshot wound to the eyeball and the chest, and the leg, and you know, this is the part of me, for those of you who are, are new to the show and don't know all of my past, I originally wanted to be a doctor. That was my goal in life. Was I, I, wanted, I wasn't going to do emergency room medicine. I was probably going to be more of a, a family practitioner, but this sort of, you know, I wanted to scrub in and, and run along and help. Uh, then, you know, I, I get seen, and we're talking now, we're about 4, 4.30 in the morning. I, the end of this story is that I get stitches. Uh, the first time in my life of 300 years that I get stitches, I'm sent on my way. And as I'm leaving the hospital, the entire emergency room area is a crime scene. The gunshot wound, alleged, well, victim, whatever, uh, was coming in by police escort. In the process of doing so, a Tech 9 gun fell out of his pocket. So the entire area became a crime scene. So this is what I'm doing at... Saturday morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. I still had about five hours of work to do. And that is 
For those of you who have been following along to this rather twisted tale, this is what I do to celebrate the premiere of Crow Call. So what do I do for an encore after episode two? Well, hopefully nothing. I don't want to jinx it. But we do have a great show today. It's padded in bubble wrap. It's hermetically sealed. No one will be injured. Everything will be fine. Suzanne Wong will be here to, to talk about the scolding she got from Facebook over some breast cancer photos. And Lindsay Wells has some really easy-to-make Halloween treats. But coming up first, it's 50 years of Bewitched. So practice your nose twitches during the commercial break. We're going to be right back after this break with more of Crow Call. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. September 17, 1964, television audiences were introduced to a witch who vowed to live life as a normal suburban housewife. Now, 50 years later, there are plans to reboot Bewitched. I'm joined in the studio by Adam Michael James, who has written a book called The Bewitched Continuum, the ultimate linear guide to the classic TV series. He is here to talk about the book and to remind us why Bewitched was so special. We are not going to call him Adam Michael James every single time. We're just <laughs> going to call him Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, Dan. It's, it's good to see you, literally. Uh, you know, Dan and I have known each other for a while. I write for SoapCentral.com, but I've never had the chance to actually meet him, so this is great. It has been a whirlwind tour for you. You have been traveling across the country promoting your book. As I mentioned, it's called The Bewitched Continuum, and I've noticed you've been stalking some famous places and famous landmarks. The Bewitched House yep. in Santa Monica, the Forrester Creations building from the Bold and the Beautiful in Beverly Hills, are there any other famous landmarks you might want to take selfies with? Should I go and warn Betsy Ross now that you're in Philadelphia that well, her house would be on the list? <laughs> uh, you might want to warn them in Salem. That's where I'm planning on spending Halloween. And you know that, uh, or you may not know, that Bewitched did do some episodes there in 1970. So I, I plan on doing quite a few selfies there. 
Let's talk about Bewitched, since it is, it seems unbelievable that we are at the 50th anniversary. And, you know, in the world of soaps that we, we talk about, General Hospital celebrated its 50th a couple of years ago. Days of Our Lives will about to be 50. So, Bewitched is often mentioned in the same breath as a lot of other beloved classic sitcoms. What is it about Bewitched that made Bewitched so special? Well, I think there's two things. One is that the show, uh, for as silly as it got sometimes, it was very intelligently written, and that's how it came across. So, you know, it, it took itself seriously, but in a good way. And also, too, I think there is a magical quality to it. I don't just mean because of the witchcraft, but there's just something about it that I think appeals to, this is going to sound silly, but the magic in all of us that, that kind of speaks to that. And so I think that... Uh, at least I know that's it for me. It's completely unrelated and probably an unendorsed plug, but when you just talked about the magic, I picture those Super Bowl commercials from Coca-Cola where it shows what happens when they put the quarter in the machine or the dollar in the machine, whatever it is, all the magical world that goes on that makes a Coke happen. <laughs> what, what if you put more than a quarter? <laughs> <laughs> it vibrates a little longer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when did your fascination with Bewitched Begin. You know, a lot of people are introduced to programs from their parents. It just happens to be on TV one Saturday when they're home. What was it for you? How did the bewitching of Bewitched begin for you? Way back in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, it was 1977. I was eight years old. I wasn't a big TV watcher back then, so I don't know exactly why I was sitting in front of the TV that day. But I saw my first Bewitched episode. And for some reason, probably going back to the, the magic thing I was talking about, I was, I was just hooked from there on out. And um, so Bewitched has been with me, you know, most of my childhood, all of my adult life. And um, it's just a show that, um, you know, you have your favorites and they fade. And then you have other favorites and they stay with you. And, and Bewitched is one of the few things that's always stayed with me. And it stayed with you long enough that you decided you wanted to write a book. How do you go from being a fan of something and liking something to saying, you know what, I'm going to write a book? Well, it was just a lot of things. I mean, there are, there are many wonderful behind-the-scenes types of books out there already, and I suggest that you all go get them and go read them. Um, but there wasn't anything about the continuity of the show or anything that really just solely focused on the fictional aspects. And actually, I mean, I was introduced to continuity in uh, 1993. I read this book called uh, The Nitpicker's Guide to Next Generation Trekkers by Phil Farrand. And that I was like, oh, there's such a thing as continuity. And then I, I did script coverage uh, for Hollywood Studios, which also involved that kind of thing. And then sort of uh, through writing the SoapCentral.com uh, columns where Love I deal site. with continuity even more. And then I started to look at Bewitched and go, you know, these episodes um, don't always match up because continuity was kind of a different thing in the 60s than it is now. I mean, I, now shows have very distinct Bibles for each season, like Big Bang Theory, Modern Family. Those are two examples. Back in the day, an episode aired once during a season. Maybe it re-ran during the summer on a little teeny 13-inch screen. Now we live tweet about things you know, before the episode even airs. You know, and, um, so I thought it would be kind of fun to look at Bewitched through today's lens. And, and that's what led to writing the book. And I thought, well, if the 50th anniversary is coming up, I better hurry up. 
<laughs> and people live tweet anything. People even live tweet this show. They're doing it now. Are we being live tweeted? We are. You can follow along on the Twitter machine at Kroll Call Show. We are tweeting there for all the information. Now, I want people to know that this is, I have a copy in front of me, this is a substantial book. This isn't just a, a five-page little book that you know says, hey, we love Bewitched and this is why. This is literally a guide to every single episode, which makes it sort of a, an interesting companion People can go to Amazon or their local realtor. Real, uh, realtor. realtor. Their <laughs> is local it that realtor. big? <laughs> your, book, your book is so big, it has its own property tax? zip code. It should pay taxes. They can go to their own little uh, retail environment that they prefer. And uh, when I checked on Amazon, I think they can get the entire series for under 30 bucks. So they can watch each episode on DVD and follow along in your book and get your, your sort of your running commentary of what's been going on in the continuity. Exactly. Thing. And that was kind of the idea of it was that I wanted my book to augment the show. And also, um, you know, for, for the hardcore fans like me, the, the casual fans, and even people, um, you know, who are coming into the show for the first time. You know, can can look at the book and have it alongside them with the episodes, like you say, and and kind of explore it all together. This is sort of exciting now because, as I uh, alluded to in the introduction, there is now talk that there will be a sequel, as they're calling it. I, in my terms, it's just a rebooting. Perhaps they don't like the term rebooting, uh, but. They're going to bring Bewitched back to primetime. In fact, there was allegedly a bidding war between ABC and NBC to get the rights to this. NBC has won. That's interesting because ABC was the original network. Which, And, you know, it's always funny to see, are they doing it because it was a quality show? Are they doing it because it's a legacy show? Are they doing it just because, you know, they don't want someone else to have the idea? Uh, I mean, this is, this is perfectly timed. Now, nothing's been written in stone just yet, but I'm wondering, what do you think of the fact that you know, 50 years later, they're bringing back a show, and uh, according to everything that I've seen, it's going to follow the granddaughter this yes. time around. Now, that's the interesting thing, because actually, somebody just asked me this question a couple of days ago before this news broke, and I I was very kind of saying, I don't want them to remake it, because I, I was understanding they were just going to, you know, recast Samantha and Darren and start from scratch. I said, I don't want that. I would want a follow-up or a continuation with Tabitha grown up or Adam grown up and, and go from there. So then finding out about this, I actually learned about it on the, getting on the plane yesterday, um, going uh, from LA to New York. I'm looking at my, at my Facebook on my phone. It's like, what, what do you mean a follow-up? What? Uh, uh? And I was like, wow, Samantha's granddaughter. I never would have thought of that. So I'm hopeful because usually with, with uh, remakes, reboots, what have you, you know, it doesn't quite capture the, the original allure of whatever that original source material was. But I'm, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed here that they have given this some thought to, to kind of go on with Samantha's granddaughter and that it will be something that stays true to the original while being part of the present. If anything, I mean, all they need to do is really get a copy of your book to sort of have right. all the detailed information. Now, we have to address sort of the red herring in the room. <gasps> There was already a remake of sorts of Bewitched. It was a 2005 motion picture adaptation starring Nicole Kidman, Will Ferrell. It made $129 million, according to what I have in front of me, and it won a Razzie Award. Woohoo! No, oh, it did. No, oh. we don't cheer for that. Oh. Razzie's for Worst On Screen Couple. Did you see the Bewitched movie remake? I outright refused to see it. Out of principle. It. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, he I heard what they were doing. The. the, the 
the device they were going for. And I said, you know, as a fan of the original, I can't do it. So, no, I never did see it. But everything I have heard about it since kind of confirms my original reason for not seeing it. So with some other little bits of trivia of information, because this is, I mean, this is as close to a Bible, I can say, as you, as you can get for a television show. Something that was interesting to me, found this out, the nose twitch that I talked about in the introduction was not called the twitch until the sixth episode. That's right. That's right. And it was just a very casual mention. Uh, Darren was trying to tell Samantha he didn't want her to, to use her powers for something. He says, well, I've seen you, you know, pow this and wham that and twitch that. It was just kind of thrown in. I don't know if they called it that from the very beginning, but yeah, it was the sixth episode before that word was actually mentioned. Now, after all of the chapters in your book, you give some little factoids and numbers, and I'm a, a sucker for numbers and statistics. This, I refuse to believe, but it's in your book, so it must be true, because this is the definitive guide <laughs> I counted, to everything. I counted. There were 254 total episodes of Bewitched. That's we, right. We, yes. So that is, we are not disputing that. It says there were only 139 episodes where she twitches her nose. That's right. I don't believe this. She, she had to have twitched her nose in every episode. What was wrong in these other 120 episodes almost? Was her nose broken? What happened? <laughs> well, no. I think what it was was she was trying to get away from using her powers as well. But then there were also times when she expressed her witchcraft in other ways by just you know, taking a zap at something. So, yeah, I, I thought it would be more episodes, too, but um, it actually only was that number. And I really, really, as I took notes for each episode, I made little notations uh, when the twitch was or this and that. And, so I, and I went back at the end and I counted it all up. And, yeah, that was the number. Now, a lot of series over the years have come and gone. More so, I would say, recently, mm. they decide that shows have run their shelf life. They have, you know, the expiration date. And unlike some of the food in my cabinets that <laughs> may be eaten a few days after the date, when these shows end, they end, and they usually plan for it. They're big events, particularly for a show that's been on for eight seasons or more. Bewitched, though, didn't have a real series finale. No, they did not. Why not? Well, it's it's hard to say, but I think the thing was they weren't, certain that they were going to be canceled. I mean, the thing was, in its eighth season, the show was moved um, to Saturday night um, up against All in the Family, which was, you know, which blew up pretty much right away. And plus, the sensibility of television was different, too. So the idea of Bewitch was a little quainter than, you know, something as groundbreaking as All in the Family. Mm. And um, so I think they might have known there was going to be trouble, but they didn't absolutely know they were going to get canceled. They, They were planning a ninth season, and uh, it didn't happen. So um, whatever episode they ended with, that, that is the end for Time in Memoriam. In your mind, do you have an idea of how the series would have ended? I do. I do. I, there's a, well, there's a whole little section. Whole little section? Hmm, that's an oxymoron. But there's a section at the end of the book called Within the Continuum. It has the trivia stuff that you were talking about. It has some character bios, uh, top ten best and worst episodes, in my mind anyway. And one of the things I did do was I created um, a synopsis of what my version of a series finale would be. It's a two-part episode. Oh, it, um, bring Because I'm heavy into continuity, it brings back a lot of characters from the overall series and ties up themes. And uh, I like the way it came out. You guys may not, you know, you may have your own version, but that's the beauty of it is everybody can have their own version of it. Well, let's let everyone know 
how they can get their own version of the Bewitched Continuum. Where can they order it? Where can they follow you? Give us all the details. Okay. The, uh, the Bewitched Continuum comes out on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, October 28th. Um, my website, adammichaeljames.com, has all the links, but you can go to Amazon and look up Bewitched Continuum. It will be there. Um, it's also available through Create Space. Um, the self-publisher, and um, all those links are, like I said, at my website, including um, m- the blog, which is bewitchedcontinuum.tumblr.com, and on Facebook, there's a page that you can like. Please like it. Um, Facebook.com slash bwcontinuum. And if you missed any of that, fear not. We're going to have all of the details on our Twitter feed, at Kroll Call Show, and on our official website, Crawlcall.com. Adam Michael James, thank you so much for coming by the studio today to talk about the book. And hopefully you'll be back when you know we'll talk more about the new Bewitched reboot. I'm very excited to see what happens with that. And it's great to do this in person with you. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more of Crawl Call. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My next guest is an actress, a comedian. You may remember her from a lengthy stint on the HGTV series House Hunters or in primetime on Las Vegas or on daytime as a bitchy wedding planner on General Hospital. Suzanne Wong is also a stage four breast cancer survivor and thriver. But in an unusual twist, photos related to her breast cancer got her in trouble with Facebook. And we're going to talk about that. Suzanne, welcome to Kroll Call. Hi, Dan. You know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to on the radio. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You are one of my favorite guests. We, uh, For folks who don't know, in my other incarnation in, as Soap Central Live, Suzanne and I talked in great detail. She was actually the subject of an hour-long show. We are more condensed and smushed up today, but we are going to still have just as much uh, detail and information for people who are listening, Suzanne. Yay. Okay, so let's just get into this because we sort of have a theme going on. We just talked about Bewitched, and coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to the Kitchen Witch. How do you fit into this witch theme, if at all, Suzanne? (laughs) 
Well, I used my magical powers to reverse stage four breast cancer when everyone told me to just get my affairs in order, and I'm still alive after three years ago is when I was given my death sentence. So, yay! That is a magical witch. I wish that we had a, a sound effect for some applause because it definitely deserves some applause. So let's go back in time for folks who want to follow along with this timeline because it's sort of, it's an amazing, it's beyond an amazing story. In 2006, while you were doing a self-breast exam, you discovered a lump in your left breast. And this is, it was the beginning of what you call a stage four breast cancer journey. journey. Can you take us back and lead us through everything that's happened? Oh, geez. Well, that would take hours. Um, but basically, it's launched me on a, a wild and crazy journey of having breast cancer not once, not twice, but three times because, m- like most Asians, I'm an overachiever. What, what? Yay! <laughs> I can't just do it once, Dan. Come on. i got to do it three times, and then the third time it metastasized to stage four. And I ended up reversing it with a combination of of Western medicine and Eastern and alternative holistic treatments, illegal treatments, revolutionary things. I changed my lifestyle. I changed what I eat, drink, and think. I learned some spiritual and life lessons. And it was a combination of many different things that I attribute my miraculous reclaiming of my health to. Um, But one of the things that happened is I, at one point, which is part of the long story, had a grapefruit-sized tumor sticking out of my chest, uh, I sort of looked like that woman in Total Recall who had three boobs, except one of them was a tumor. And when I got it removed, it sort of created a, a cr- it, it, it was such a big thing that got removed that, that when it got sewed up, um, it was, there was so much tension on the area that was sewed together that it got infected and it opened up leaving a big crater, an infected crater instead of a, an area of my left breast. And I ended up uh, regrowing part of it with extracellular matrix powder, which is made out of pig bladders because pigs are the most similar in genetic structure protein-wise to humans, which is all to say that my left breast now looks uh, quite fascinating and different from my right breast. Um, it's, it's asymmetrical. There's, uh, there's some scar tissue. There's some regrown new tissue and... I decided not to get reconstructive surgery to make my left breast look quote-unquote perfect because I decided that I could redefine femininity and beauty and sexuality for myself and just decide that that's beautiful just the way it is, which led me to agreeing to something very uncharacteristic of me, which is to do a bare-breasted, topless photo shoot. And I had a friend of mine took the pictures and a friend of mine did the hair and makeup and my then boyfriend, Eric, was there to support me and it was a very emotional thing, but I, I did it and there was one particular image that I really liked because I have this expression on my face that basically says, I'm okay with this, uh, I think I'm beautiful, so y- you can think so too and take whatever... <laughs> preconceived notions you have about beauty and and possibly challenge them. And I, I, in conjunction with this photo, posted an open apology letter to breast cancer, but I didn't call it breast. I called it sort of a slang word (laughs) for breast. Sort of a tit-for-tat expression. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's a I don't think I can read it. Uh, people can go to my website if they want to read it because I think your show won't like me to say all these bad words. But anyway, um, I wrote a satirical open apology letter to breast cancer. Uh, 
and I, I posted the, the photo with it. And because it's October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which I find hilarious because I think most people are aware that there's breast cancer. How about Breast Cancer Prevention Month or Breast Cancer Cure Month <laughs> instead of Breast Cancer Awareness Month? But I decided while the spotlight is on, why not post this on Facebook? Uh, so I did. And I posted it as my profile picture. And within hours, um, I got an email from Facebook saying that it had been reported as being offensive and pornographic and it was removed, which really broke my heart because I think I had about 300 comments uh, underneath the picture and the open apology letter of people that were just um, inspired and moved and and thought it was funny and thought it was... Um, brave or moved them and it, and and all of that just went away which created a think, firestorm do you think that it was reported and I, I know that you know most of these online services they have sort of a formula that comes back and, and things that fall into a certain category do you think that it was reported truly because someone thought that it might be considered pornography or do you think that it made someone feel uncomfortable and they felt the need to report it I have no idea, and I also have some people tell me, oh, that's not a person, it's just an automated, it's a robot that does that. But then I'm thinking, no, it can't be, because if they're just looking for nipples, then men's nipples would be reported all the time. There's shirtless men all over Facebook. And by the way, I'm also fascinated by the concept that uh, the breast itself is fine if you blur out the nipples. Have you noticed that if you put a Band-Aid over or you blur out or you put black tape on nipples, then, then it's fine to show the breast? So, so it's not the breasts that are offensive. It's those pesky nipples, that area in the middle. It's the areola. Really, that's, that's the dirty part. So if in this picture I had taken a couple fingers and covered up each nipple, then it would have been fine? It probably would have then been considered art as well. I know, right? I, I don't understand that. Does that mean that if a man's penis were shown, but, but he had his finger over the, the very tip, the hole where the urine would come out, that, that that's no longer a, an offensive image just because we've covered up that hole at the end? I, I think, you know, with, with nipples, maybe it's the fact that, you know, people feel like they're staring at them, like they're little nipple eyeballs just <laughs> looking at them. So it might apply to the penis as well, where if you cover up, cover up the little happy Oh, cover face. up the eye so no one's lo- no, nothing's looking back at you? Wink, that what wink. it is? It just kind seems of. so strange to me because, anyway, Wendy McClendon-Covey from the Goldbergs and Liz Winstead, who created The Daily Show, and Lorraine Newman, they're all, they're all friends of mine, and, and they just went crazy, and people started to repost it because they were, they were so angry that it, it had gotten taken down. So I think it actually ended up getting more visibility because Facebook took it down, that if there's tons of people reposting it, maybe Facebook couldn't keep up. Well, I'd like to ask a question. You had mentioned, you know, sort of a rhetorical of why call it breast cancer awareness. Everyone is is aware of breast cancer. Something that came up in the promotion of this show, letting people know that you were here. You know, a lot of shows, they want to pretend that there are no blemishes on anything, that everything is fine. I had originally in the description, it had come across and mentioned that you had a three-time battle with breast cancer. And the word battle for you was a word that you don't like to use in discussing your yes. journey. What is it that you found so objectionable about the word battle? Well, I, it, it took me a long time to get to this point, but uh, the language and the words that I use have become incredibly important to me, including 
challenging past definitions of words and overusing words to desensitize and take the charge out of them, or knowing that words have power and what kind of power and how can I transmute that power. So, for example, even the word survivor, I don't like the term I'm a breast cancer survivor. That sounds like I'm barely hanging on by a thread. I prefer thriver because I am thriving. I am happier and healthier now than I ever was before I ever got breast cancer because of everything that I've learned and the way I've changed. So uh, the word battle or the, the term fight, people used to say, fight, fight the good fight, Suzanne, and fight and battle and battle and struggle and fight and win. And I was doing that for a long time and it somehow wasn't working. And uh, it was brought to my attention that that cancer cells are rebel cells that are battling against the status quo and setting up camp however they want to in your body. But I've also heard the term whatever you resist persists, what you defend against, you empower. Um, I remember Einstein said problems cannot be solved from the same energy or consciousness that created the problem. Uh, Mother Teresa said I would not attend an anti-war rally but would happily attend a pro peace rally. George Carlin said, fighting for peace is like fucking for virginity. Sorry, I just had to use that word because that's the actual quote. <laughs> because if we think about it, so, so the, the, the idea of me fighting against the againstness and the fighting of the cancer wasn't working for me because it kept coming back and coming back and coming back. So I changed my outlook on it to instead of fighting and battling against it. Because when you're fighting and battling, that means that there's going to be a winner and a loser. So if I'm fighting and battling, there's a chance that cancer will win, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm in a tug of war with cancer, cancer could win. If I drop the rope for the tug of war and cancer that's been pulling goes reeling back and we're not even in this dynamic anymore, then I definitely can reclaim my health by releasing the cancer instead of battling it and fighting it. And it's language that gets put upon people with cancer. You know what I mean? I had never had cancer before, but people kept telling me she's in a battle, she's in a struggle, she's in a fight. But then you hear about somebody lost their battle or lost their fight. I decided what if I take myself out of the arena of the fight and I'll just be over here basking in the present moment, being grateful laughing a lot and, and asking for and receiving help and getting humble and throwing my pride and ego out the window and just releasing all of that and reclaiming my health. And that's why I don't love the word battle. <laughs> well, we unfortunately only have about two minutes or so left in this segment. So I want to give you the opportunity as the last word. What is it that you hope people who are listening to us chat today, what do you want them to get from this interview? Hmm. I want women to know that they are more than their breasts and that uh, beauty doesn't necessarily mean symmetry. And it just, um, I just want the, any women who are dealing with this, first of all, to feel free to email me. Email me, funny at SuzanneHuang.com. Tell me your story. Uh, ask me any question you want. I'm happy to share my story. Uh, I think that one of the reasons this happened to me is so that I could have life experiences and then share them with people and that I would never tell anyone what to do about their particular journey with cancer, that everyone's individual journey is completely different. We plan to have more journeys with you on Kroll Call. We're going to have you back when you get a chance in some other maybe hot topic type discussions to show off your razor sharp wit 
and importantly, your razor-sharp mind. So, Suzanne, if you are game, I'd love to have you back in the future to be sort of a, a regular recurring guest here on the show. I would love that, and I would love to do this in person sometime, too. Uh, that is also on the list. We will put that at the top of the list to make sure that that happens. Suzanne Wong, thank you so much for dropping by. Thank you, Dan. We are going to talk about some snacks, and I think everyone in the studio will be hanging around for that. Stay tuned because Crow Call will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Keeping with our Halloween theme today, my next guest cast a spell on Kraft Foods Canada's Real Women of Philadelphia contest with her pistachio and couscous stuffed pork tenderloin. I can't get the words out because my mouth is drooling with food thoughts. The recipe won top honors and a 20 thousand dollar grand prize Lindsay wells is known in some circles including this one as the kitchen witch and she's got all kinds of great ideas for halloween snack making kitchen witch Lindsay wells welcome to curl call oh thanks dan i'm glad to be here everybody is wondering right off the bat why are you the kitchen witch where did this name come from and why are you called the kitchen witch well, it's such a funny story, but I was, I, I was, I love to cook and I enter all these crazy cooking contests and I've had, you know, a lot of success with them. And anyways, I was reading a woman's novel one day by Nora Roberts and one of the characters happened to be a kitchen witch. And I was like, oh man, well, I can't cast spells and I can't do what Samantha <laughs> could do, but I can stir a pot all right. So I kind of just adopted the name. And what's neat about kitchen witches in kind of folklore is that kitchen witches believe that you can create delicious food without having to have like all kinds of expensive ingredients or like fancy gadgets and that sort of a thing. And I really believe that. I think you can make amazing food with a wooden spoon in your two hands. 
Well, that was going to be my question. You know, we, we know that there are some witches who twitch their nose and make <laughs> things happen. Do you have a special kitchen witch movement? Is there something that maybe you don't want to admit that you do that you do to create kitchen magic? Yeah, do I, am I in my kitchen during my cauldron at night? Well, you might want to ask my husband about that because he's got a few thoughts. But no, I just, I just love this idea. And I think my big passion is I'm wanting to help people kind of not be afraid of the kitchen and know that um, that that cooking is really not that difficult and not that complicated and that I think sometimes we complicate it by, and, and, and kind of make it intimidating and it really isn't. I think that you really are a witch because you've read my mind and you sort of know where this conversation <laughs> is going. There are a lot of people, I have met them in the real world, that say... I can't cook, I can't even boil a pot of water, or I can't make a cup of soup. So let's discuss this, Lindsay. Are mm-hmm. there people who just cannot cook? What is your advice to someone who says that they can't cook? And more importantly, how do you prove them wrong? How do you show them, uh, yes, you can cook? Well, you know, one of my favorite people in the world, she's actually a co-worker of mine, and she had. she was one of those people that literally could not boil an egg. And I encouraged her to just check out one or two of my recipes. And what I try to do is really make them user-friendly, lots of instructions, not any really out there ingredients. And I got her to try a few of my recipes. And I'm proud to say that just this Thanksgiving, so in Canada we just passed our Thanksgiving, she cooked a full-on like five course Thanksgiving dinner for her entire family using I've I've made something called a Thanksgiving planner so she just used my planner followed all the instructions and she came back and she was just like I can't believe I did this and on top of that the food was great and nothing on earth makes me feel happier than that or to think like there's people all over the place using my Thanksgiving planner that's really cool that definitely is amazing, and I think we will tell people how to find all of these information, but sort of to maybe make it more personal, mm-hmm. how many tries did it take you, the kitchen witch, mm-hmm. who, you know, you are the, the person that we go to for expert advice, how many tries did it take you before you perfected your pistachio and couscous stuffed pork recipe? Oh, my gosh. So that one, well, first of all, um, that was a contest. I'll tell you, the amazing thing about that contest is I'm still friends with about 15 of the women that were part of that. And we were neck and neck. So there, were, I had already entered a couple of recipes and they hadn't gone anywhere. And so I literally, I stayed up all night one night dreaming up this recipe, doing research, you know, um, coming up with ideas. And then my husband and I, out we went to the grocery store and we bought like five pork tenderloins and we spent two days perfecting the pork tenderloin recipe. (laughs) And we ate a lot of pork tenderloin, Dan, I have to tell you. (laughs) I mean, there are worse things. There are better things like cupcakes, which would probably be a lot better. But not everybody, Lindsay, has the ability and the time to spend four days perfecting a recipe. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. Halloween is coming up. We're now a week away from Halloween. And probably by this time, a lot of people will be over uh, Halloween, but mm-hmm. what you, we want to talk about some ideas that people want to have a party, they want to show off for, for Halloween, but they don't want to spend hours making a recipe, and they don't want anything that's complicated and that they're going to mess up and then have nothing to serve for Halloween. So what are some of your ideas for mm-hmm. easy-to-make Halloween treats without the tricks? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, I'm a real big believer in being able to do things up early that can just be either popped into the oven or served. So, for example, I came up with this idea for these, they're really delicious, these bloodshot monster eyeballs that are made with saltine crackers and grated cheese and olives. You can do those all up in the morning and just pop them in your fridge with some saran wrap. Then when your guests come over, just they just go in the oven for five minutes and away you go. Same with things like making like a homemade fresh salsa. You can do that in the morning and then really jazz it up. You'll really impress people. Like just hollow out one of those little pumpkins that they're selling at the stores right now and put your salsa in that. And people think, wow, you know, look at this. This is so fancy. And and then the other thing that we can do is we can use products that might make it easier. So, for example, there's a um, a well-known recipe that I riff off of that, that Pillsbury does where you can wrap up some some franks and uh, mm-hmm. and then what I like to do, you wrap them up to look like mummies. It's so simple to make. They're so cute. Kids love them. And then what really adds an extra kind of jazzy touch, though, is serve that with your favorite chili and suddenly you've got these chili dogs. I call them yummy mummies. And, um, you know, there's so many ideas. And, and as I said, I'm a real believer. If you're entertaining, the best recipes, I think, and the best strategy is to do as much as you can ahead of time. And that way, when people are arriving, you're not stuck in the kitchen, you know, sweating and, and stressed out. You, you, it just appears very seamless. And nobody knows about all that that went on before they got there. A lot of people know that when you put together videos, and you have a lot of videos, some that you are making exclusively for Kroll Call, that mm-hmm. you know there's some editing involved and not everything goes on, but all of your videos, it makes it look like these recipes really don't take a long time. And I think that's it's really important because that's the scary aspect of mm-hmm. it would be great to cook, it would be great to make anything, but you know what? I don't want to spend three hours in the kitchen making all this stuff. You know, They think about five-course meals and they think about cooking all day. You really don't have to spend a lot of time in the kitchen to have a quality, fun snack or treat. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. And, and hey, one of the reasons I got into this, I work a, a busy, full-time job, stressful life. And so getting into the kitchen for me is stress relief. And when I come home from work after a full day, I'm not wanting to be in the kitchen for an hour. I'm, so I'm always on the lookout for how can we make this easier. But I still believe that things that we make ourselves taste so much better than anything that you can get like at, in the in the drive through or in the frozen section and again when we're making it ourselves we're in control of what ingredients go in and uh, and the other thing i really try to to keep to is again you know no more than 12 ingredients if we can help it and let's keep it simple and and just what can we do to maximize flavor and taste? And as well, um, another sort of aspect that I've really gotten into over the last year is, and now how can we make it maybe a little healthier without losing that flavor uh, and without making it difficult? That's important because that's sort of, I've reached the fact that I know that I'm not going to ever eat healthy. I, I mean, mm-hmm. unless lightning strikes, I'm not going to eat a vegetable by choice necessarily and all that other <laughs> stuff, but I've been making, I'm sorry, Melissa Gilbert, I, I'm not <laughs> quite ready to take your Brussels sprouts challenge. Oh, I but, was hoping. <laughs> not yet. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I haven't quite gotten there, but you know, I've made the conscious decision to things that I know that I like to finding ways to make them better, to have them be healthier. And I think that, you know, it, it may not be the huge step, that people think that they have to take, but the little step is certainly one step on a journey. 
Oh, for sure. And just, you know what, little tricks, like, for example, if you grate up lemon zest into and use that, it actually will brighten up the flavor in just about any dish so that you don't have to add extra salt. Like, a little salt in a dish is important because it's going to add that flavor. But then you can brighten it up. You can pop it with a little acid, a little lemon zest, fresh herbs. Like, there's so many tricks to be able to just make it that much healthier, that much brighter, um, you know, switching up the amount, what kinds of starches we're using, what kind of carbohydrates we're using, and there's just so many great options nowadays to be able to have delicious food, home cooked, quick and easy, but also that are that are that are nutritious and and uh, and great for you. Now I know some of my Halloween snacks maybe don't fit into that category completely, but hey, Halloween you got to give yourself license every now and then, right? And word on the street is that you have a take on one of my favorite Halloween treats, the caramel apple, or the caramel apple, if you will. I do. Well, I have this this um, recipe that I'd come up with last year, and I'm telling you, it is one of the most popular kitchen witch recipes. I've got um, one woman who emailed me and told me she makes these on a regular basis. She has a daycare, and she has the daycare kids make them. And what it is, is it's, it's a riff on a caramel apple. It, they're called butterscotch apple cinnamon crescents. And again, it's just a quick and easy way. I just use Pillsbury crescent dough. But all you do is you use the crescent dough and diced Granny Smith apple, some cinnamon nutmeg, and butterscotch chips. And they all go into the crescent dough and they bake up into this ooey gooey caramel apple incredible, incredibleness that, you know, that are as good as anything that could have taken you hours and literally start to finish it's like a 20 minute process it's 10 minutes to prep 10 minutes to bake that sounds amazing and i have to tell you if we didn't have about five minutes left in show i would just say goodbye and run to the kitchen <laughs> and start making these but well, and i do have a how-to video so if people check out my kitchen the kitchen witch on youtube um, they can they can check that out and like I said it's just so easy and uh, but watch out though Dan because they are highly addictive you'll have to you'll have to strap on your gym shoes and do an extra fifteen minutes or so I'll do my best I'll walk <laughs> down the steps to the kitchen so that is part of it but <laughs> there you I, go. I mentioned we have some time which means we have some fan questions from people who are listening oh. I'm looking to see we have about four minutes, so we'll only have time for one of them. But this is this is probably the most important. It's from Melissa, who comments that every time she cooks chicken, it seems to get dry. Whether she cooks it too long or mm. not long enough, she feels like the chicken is always dry. Now, I know we only have about two minutes to, mm-hmm. to discuss this, but can you give her any advice in, in that short amount of time? Yes, I can. So the secret to moist, tender, amazing meat is brining. And all brining is, is it's a little bit different than marinating. What you're doing is you're putting, so for example, a chicken breast and you're going to create a brine. I've actually got a brine recipe that I could share um, with you after Dan if, if she would like to try it. And your meat, it also works great with like boneless pork chops because there's not a lot of fat in that meat. You put it in the brine over a period of time and um, it can be from between, you know, two hours or maybe four hours. And, um, and what happens is through the pro, through a chemical process, through magic, we'll call it magic, <laughs> uh, 
the chicken is going to retain its moisture. And it's actually, that's a little-known restaurant secret for making really moist and tender meat uh, is brining. And then another secret, too, that, that um, somebody could try. So let's say you've got boneless, skinless chicken breasts. Um, you could also just make little slits into your chicken breast meat. And one of the things I like to do is make like an herbed butter. So just take regular butter and soften it up. Add some fresh herbs like basil and, you know, all that yummy stuff, parsley, thyme, rosemary, whatever. And then just harden it a little bit. And then you can slip the, bud, slip the butter right into the chicken breast meat. And the chicken breast will bake with that butter in it. And um, I've also got a recipe for those things that I'm happy to pass on and that people can try. We will send all of those, but you know we have more time that we would need to talk to get all of this in here. But the good news is, Lindsay, you're going to be a regular contributor, especially during our holiday season here. So you'll be on to give tips and tricks and maybe answer some questions in the future. And everyone can find you online. We'll have all of those different spots. But more importantly, what's the website address? So the website address is lindsaythekitchenwitch.com. And you can reach me, my YouTube channel, uh, all of my information, Twitter, everything, just off of lindsaythekitchenwitch.com. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to, I'm so excited, I'm excited to be a contributor and, uh, and, and can't wait to, to do more things with you. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for dropping by today. We have to uh, wiggle our noses here and twitch our noses. I don't know if it's copyrighted, so we're out of time. But thank you so much, and I look forward to having you on the show again. Absolutely. Have a great weekend, Dan. Thank you, you too. And for those of you out there, thank you for tuning in this week to Crawl Call. A special thank you to my guest, Adam Michael James, who's still wandering around the studio twitching things, Suzanne Wong, and Lindsay Wells, The Kitchen Witch. If you'd like more information about the Bewitch Continuum, or if you want to check out The Kitchen Witch's Halloween recipes or other cooking videos, follow us on Twitter at Crawl Call Show, or visit our website at CrollCall.com. We also have a show archive on our website where you can listen to any of the shows that we've broadcast on demand. So if you miss a live show or you want to hear it again, Hit up crawlcall.com. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at Dan J. Kroll. That is the place to see all the shenanigans that I'm up to and what I'm doing as a celebration after tonight's show. You can also find me back here next week for our Halloween show, October 31st. Television critic and editor Richard Sims will be here. He'll be dishing some of the scariest television shows and movies of all time. And it wouldn't be Halloween without some trick-or-treating, so expect some snack giveaways. You want to be listening for that to tune in to win. That's Friday, October 20, 31st. It's the 31st, Halloween, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I hope to join us then for another edition of Crawl Call. Have a great week. We're into home, yeah.